Welcome to the Fifth Estate. They bring you the story. We bring you the truth. The Fifth Estate is the news behind the headlines, holding those in power in check. And now, with the real story, here's Cameron Blewett. Good evening, Victoria. Thank you for joining me here on this episode 72 of the Fifth Day State podcast for Friday, 14th of October, 2022. Going to kick this episode off with the Andrews regime um, actually having to attempt to rein in the monster that they've created. Now, there's an article in the Herald Sun today that says, Syme fights back, bid to block UFO stranglehold on registering firefighters. The Victorian government is making a desperate bid to stop the United Firefighters Union from having total control over of firefighter registration. Now, for those who came in late, there was a big kerfuffle uh, a couple of years ago where the Andrews regime decided to uh, get rid of the Metropolitan Fire Brigade and uh, totally gut the Country Fire Authority uh, to give the United Firefighters Union a uh, more power and ability to control things that happen within that service, and now that roost is coming. Yeah, that bird's coming home to roost. Uh, so uh, the article goes on to say the state government is making a desperate bid to block Fire Rescue Victoria signing off on a deal to pay a United Firefighters Union-owned company to register its firefighters, including all those seconded to the CFA. Emergency Services Minister Jacqueline Symes last month ordered FRV not to enter into a services agreement with the UFU-controlled Victorian Professional Career Firefighters Registration Board Limited, given it duplicates the role of the statutory registration board that is meant to be established under the FRV Act. So, you know what? Honestly, I have no sympathy for these people. Um, It's... Uh, you know, this, this is the thing. This is the the, the monster that they've created uh, to, uh, you know, shore up support from the UFU when that was going on. Now the UFU is upset with the Andrews regime about uh, changing uh, one of the the, the the scope of the compensation scheme uh, for fireys that uh, develop cancer. Uh, due to their role. Now, they've included it to uh, cover persons, which the fireys are saying, oh, it's going to include a mechanic, it's going to include this, and it's going to make the system uh, very, you know, cost ineffective uh, and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, this is the thing is that, you know, what what do they expect? Uh, you know, you give these organisations a little bit power and they just keep taking it and taking it and taking it. Uh, so, yeah, man, uh, I'm not surprised uh, if we had a competent opposition here in Victoria. I'm sure that they, a competent opposition would be opposing this right from the start, turning and saying, hey, well, that's what you've got. That's what you've developed. This is the beast that you've created. So, you know, a competent, op- a competent opposition should be turning around saying, well, you know what, when we get into power, what we're going to do is we're actually going to have a genuine review of it and, you know, change the, the way that things are because, yeah, you have a look on, on the CFA 
volunteers, where they want volunteers and all that sort of stuff. And you will see that every station is looking for volunteers. Oh, where are we? Volunteering. Uh, does it say? Um, oh, doesn't give you a list of stations that want uh, people. Procedure expressions of interest. This is not good because um, you have to type your, your full address in uh, and then it gives a drop down of what station's in the area. So where I am, okay, it's found it. Now, one, two, three, four, five, the five, five, five fire stations in the area are recruiting both firefighters and support staff. Now, the way that these... Uh, the, the FRV or the MFB bust-up happened was that uh, any full-time uh, firefighter now goes to FRV, whereas in way back when it used to be uh, a cross between uh, the MFB and the CFA. CFA did have some career firefighters, but that was more for the area and then they were supported by the volunteers. Now it is any career firefighter is part of FRV and the... Uh, CFA is just there to support. Now, that did lose a lot of, uh, cause a lot of members to leave. Uh, I think that there's uh, problems in there now that a um, career firefighter uh, can't be told what to do by a volunteer firefighter, even if that volunteer has a superior rank and, and all that sort of bullshit that goes on with that, because obviously. It's to it was done to shore up support. Now, uh, the CFA board resigned in that. Jane Garrett, who was the emergency services minister at the time, resigned as well because she didn't agree with it. The board didn't agree with it, and it's just gone from bad to worse. Um, you know, it, it's unfortunate that the people that are going to suffer out of this is going to be the Victorian population because there is not going to be, especially, you know, at the moment. It looks like we're not going to have a dry summer, uh, though if we were going to have a dry summer, uh, you know, it, it's the thing is that the people would be, uh, those communities that are surrounded by bushland and everything like that would be the ones that would be at risk because there's not enough volunteers in these stations, all because of the Andrews regime, was it kowtowing, doing whatever he could to uh, not upset the UFU. Uh, so... Yeah, it's come back to bite him in the ass now. Uh, I, you know, Matthew Guy should be, you know, making continual press releases about this, saying, hey, how can you trust the government when this is the legislation they've created? This is what they've done. They're just going to further decimate the, you know, firefighting and whatever else and, and just start throwing it out. But we know that Matthew Guy and the Liberal Party, Liberal National Party, Actually, I don't think that they want to form government. I think that they're quite comfortable in opposition because then they don't actually have to do anything. They can occasionally have a press release, a press, you know, a bit of a doorstop interview and all that sort of stuff and yet achieve nothing. So, yeah, I, I, come November, I hope a lot of people pay attention to that and just say, nope, time for y'all to go. Now, Speaking of time for you all to go, uh, should we be surprised that WorkSafe has dropped 
a probe into bullying bullying allegations against Daniel Andrews' office. Now, the uh, former Labor MP, uh, Kashalia uh, Bagula, uh, she was the one who crossed the floor to uh, support the motion in the upper house to have the red shirts scandal I think that was referred back to the ombudsman or IBAC or something like that. Uh, she crossed the floor and then was consequently booted out of uh, the Labor Party. Now, she did launch some, uh, make some comments to WorkSafe and um, uh, lodged a complaint uh, into WorkSafe. But reading through the article, this is another one from the Herald Sun. Uh, do, 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 do. It, w- it was interesting is that... It doesn't seem that they've paid that much attention to it. Uh, WorkSafe Victoria said it had considered a number of individuals and entities, including the Premier of Victoria, some staff employed by the Premier's private office, the Department of Premier and Cabinet and members of the public. WorkSafe used coercive powers to obtain information relevant to the investigation, which was then thoroughly reviewed to determine whether any duties under the OHS Act had been breached, it said in a statement. Decisions on whether to commence a prosecution were made and authorised by WorkSafe's Executive Director of Health and Safety under delegated powers and informed by legal advice. On the basis of the evidence and taking into account WorkSafe's general prosecution guidelines, WorkSafe will not take any further action on this matter at this time. Well, there we go. Another body that just gives the Andrews regime a rubber stamp of, nope, everything's good over there. We've seen it from the Coates Commission. We've seen it through IBAC. We've seen it from the Ombudsman. Now we're seeing it from WorkSafe. Who else is there? I mean, is there anyone else left that can possibly, uh, you know, have anything to do with how incompetent or how corrupt those those departments are and that government is? No, I don't think there is. So, yeah, we shouldn't be surprised. Uh, But, yeah, I think it's just time for... As I said, time for change. Um, I think vote the whole lot of them out. Sadly, I don't think it's going to happen, Uh, especially not if you read The Age. Now, The Age is doing what they call uh, some sort of uh, election coverage. It says get a well-balanced perspective with The Age. Now, I think that that's a load of bullocks. So according to The Age, the thing that, is interesting most people is... Okay, Victoria's agenda is, one, how will you ensure people have access to healthcare when they need it? Two, what will you do about the rising cost of living, particularly housing? Three, how will you protect Victoria's political system from corruption and misuse of public funds? Four, what are your plans to deal with population pressures in Melbourne and the regions? Five, what will you do to reduce the state's greenhouse gas emissions? Six, where would you cut spending to increase revenue or re- to reduce debt? Where would you cut spending or increase revenue to reduce debt? So, really, I mean, how can this be the agenda that Victorians want people to, you know, these prospective politicians to, to comment on? How can that be it? Uh, you know, we should have a genuine agenda of do you support the genital mutilation of young boys and young girls? Yes or no? 
what are you going to do to ensure that the last two years never, ever happens again? And I'm not talking about the incompetent response by the government and the Department of Health. I'm talking about the civil liberties and the human rights that were uh, trampled on and ignored by the government that is there to protect those rights. Uh there was one more and I forgot what the other one was. Anyway, but uh, no, actually, that's um, uh, cost of living. What are you going to do to reduce power? You know, the, the ever-increasing power bills. And you know, none of that is talked about. You know, cost of living and then they'll turn around and say, oh, but you know what, it's Putin's problem because Putin's in a war overseas in Ukraine. That's pushing everything up. Yet they talk, they say nothing about the immense amount of money that the government is spending on stuff that they don't really need to spend money on. Uh, so, you know, as, as I've said in previous episodes, I think that the number one election issue should be whether these prospective candidates agree or disagree with the genital mutilation of young boys and young girls. Now, um, if you're not talking about that, then I think that there's other things that, that are going to be going wrong so far down the track. And, you know, for me, why? Why is this an issue? Well, let's think about it. If we allow this crap to continue in the schools, what's going to happen to those kids when they become adults? They're going to be so dependent on the government for whatever, on the pharmaceutical companies for, for whatever. And it's the thing is that that continues. And then I think in another couple of years, there won't be many children left. Um, you know, you tie that into the... Uh, population, population crisis that, you know, there's not enough kids being born. Why? Um, you know, who who in their right mind would want to bring a child into this world? Actually, no, I'll, I'll phrase that. I'll rephrase that. Cons- with If we believe what we're told about how bad things are and how this is that and how, you know, whatever's going on, can you blame people for not wanting to bring children into the world? Um, I think... You know, the the article that I read out a couple of days ago where it's time to bring in the baby bonus, I think that we do need to be looking at that. And that's something that needs to come at the state level, not the uh, federal level. Uh, the states need to be responsible for that um, because it's the thing is that with the money that they're spending, they're going to need more people to be able to produce things, to tax people, to be able to pay all that stuff off. Um, unless this is part of the plan to, you know, to, um, you know, no, let's let's just be out with it. Let's, you know, to bring in the Great Reset because they've got to crash the economy. Crash the economy brings in the Great Reset. The bank can turn around and say, oh, you know, our economy's crashed. Our dollar has been so devalued, inflation's sky high. We're going to bring in a new currency. So we'll bring in the central bank digital currency, which is what everyone is pushing at the moment, every... Uh, central bank is toying with that idea all at the behest of Klaus and all those people that go and have um, a little junket to Davos. And, you know, this is the stuff that we need to be talking about. None of this, you know, yes, I understand healthcare is an important issue. Uh, you know, I, and I, I'm not saying that any of these aren't important. I'm just saying that there are some that are more important and namely – what are you going to do to bring inflation down? I think Victoria can. I think if we had proper management and that is all going to be part of uh, the 
uh, podcast that's going to come out over the weekend about how do we save the how do we save the state, um, and you know we need to get the indoctrination out of the schools. We're supposed to be educating our children, not indoctrinating them, and we need to get rid of the Department of Education. Get rid of it. That is the 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 bureaucracy that is going to poison our children, poison our families, and poison the community uh, for that. So. Yeah, but anyway, hang on. I'm not going to get back onto that soapbox again. Um, so, yeah, but, you know, it, it's the thing. I mean, if you want to hear me on that soapbox, um, go back and have a look at a couple of previous episodes. Have a listen to a couple of previous episodes and you'll hear me on that one. Uh, so, yeah, this is the thing. We need to get rid of the Department of Education, um, bring them back, you know, empower the school councils to be able to actually guide the schools and create policies that that govern that school instead of some incompetent bureaucrats that have that are just pushing an ideological agenda that have no idea what is relevant or or what really matters or or what's going on in that local community. Whereas the school board does. School board is made up of, of teachers and of, of parents and potential and possibly community members. So, you know, that's the thing is that they have school boards there to bring a voice to the school and to bring a um, you know what balanced viewpoint to the school, and yet everything has been lately. Oh, no, this is the policy from the department. Let's just have a look at this. Let's just rubber stamp this because this is what the department wants. Well, what's the point in that? Uh, so yeah, uh, what else was there? Um. You know what, I was going to rant about uh, an age article that says, women in a democracy, here's the good news, and they're not so good. But you know what, I mean, you should be aware now, we're not in a democracy, we're a constitutional monarchy, and it's the thing. Uh, But something that I do want to say about that is that if you have a look at everything everywhere, everything is a threat to democracy, and... It's yeah. It doesn't matter what it is. It's a threat to democracy. It's a this is a threat to democracy. That's a threat to democracy. And you know what? To you know to uh, slightly paraphrase Eric July, um, oh, bring it on. If it's a threat to to democracy, that's a good thing because we don't want a democracy. Um, you know, yeah. I you know my, you know my views. Ideally, I'd love to see a um, very minimal minimal. If any government, uh, let things be managed locally uh, for that one. And yeah, I, I think that we can get more done if things are done locally. Everything gets decentralised. Decentralise the power of the government to, you know, um, for, for want of a better term, local councils and have them as not paid positions, make it as a um, sort of uh, community service thing where people are drafted into. Uh, sit on the council so then that way they can have input into it. Uh, yes, it would be a majority rules decision on, on things that are, are, are decided by the council. So, yeah, it, it's the thing. I think that that's, that's what should be done. Uh, as I said, I'll, I'll go into that more in my Saving Victoria uh, podcast that's going to come out over the weekend. Uh, there was something else that I did want to talk about and it's just flown – just flown right out of there at the moment. Um, oh, that's it. So I've mentioned a uh, previous episode about uh, the Liberal Democrats. Now, some people have commented to me, why am I so harsh on them? And it's the thing, I haven't got 
an agenda against them. I am harsh on them because they're portraying themselves to be something that I do not genuinely believe that they are. Now, case in point, David Limbrick is doing a bit of a roadshow uh, telling everyone about his uh, proposed cannabis legislation or, you know, his thing, cannabis reform, about decriminalising it uh, and all that sort of stuff. And as I did mention at the time, that I believed that he was having uh, concerns that his votes would be taken up by the Cannabis Party. Now, lo and behold, there is a Cannabis Party that has now been registered in Victoria. Uh, it got registered what is the name of the party uh there you go legalized cannabis victoria was registered on the 13th of october so that was yesterday and yes so now that is a registered political party so people will be voting to legalize cannabis and david limbrick wants those people to vote for him instead so as I said, of all the things that David Limbrick could have gone to the election with and made a big song and dance about, he chose that one. Now, as I've said, I don't disagree with the decriminalisation of it because we're all adults. We should be able to make those decisions ourselves. I just don't think that this is the right time to do it. There is not enough uh, support networks set up. There is not enough um, community support for those who will have... Uh, particular negative reactions to it or those who have uh, become, um, you know, addicted to it. Now, whether it is addictive or not, I've got no idea uh, for that one. But, yeah, this is the thing. I mean, of all the things that he could have gone to to the election with, that's what he wants. That's because he wants those votes from the Legalised Cannabis, uh, Legalised Cannabis Victoria. Uh, You know, that just shows you that... Yeah, maybe he's not a genuine libertarian. And uh, watching, he was on Bernardi, which is on Sky News, he did make a comment when he referenced referenced the decriminalisation of cannabis. He mentioned that it was uh, liberalism or liberal ideas or or whatever it was, but didn't say anything about uh, liberty or increasing liberty, uh, whereas it's, it's allowing people to make their own choices. So... As I've said before, I think he's um, a, a bit of a socialist dressed up in a suit. Maybe he's just, uh, you know, biding his time for that one. So as I said, yep, that's my thoughts. Um, you know, I could be mistaken. Please show me where I am. Uh, but that's my view and I don't think that uh, they're worthy of, of anyone's vote. Yes, they did do a couple of good things in the past, but that was more about uh, comments uh, and, you know, uh, raising questions about things, which, yep, you know, that's their job. While they're in parliament, that's what they're supposed to do. Yep. It hasn't done anything to turn around and say, yep, we won't, you know, forget this Bill of Rights for the people. Let's do, let's put barriers around what the government can do. Let's restrict the government rather than protecting the people because that's what we need to see. Because if you turn around and put, oh, we're going to do this to protect the people, well, then the government will find ways to, Let's just tweak that a little bit. Oh, no, it's, it's not. See, it's within the guidelines because we're not doing this, which is what the Bill of Rights says we can't, but, hey, we're doing this, which is still the same result. So take it back. Put the cage around the government. Don't put the shield around the people. Let the people look after themselves and, and you know, do things to keep the government in check. So, yeah, 
It'll be interesting to see what does happen come November 26 or 24 or something like that. Uh, so, yeah, I, it is, I think it's going to be interesting. Um, I have a, a feeling that Supreme Leader Andrews is going to drop in the uh, primary vote, uh, first preference vote. So I think he's going to have a big drop there. But there will be enough um, shadow organisations out there that will find all the votes back into him so he may uh, hold his seat with the slimmest of margins. Uh, I do have a feeling that the Labor Party will uh, be able to retain government, though I do hope that it's a, a very hostile crossbench and I do hope that he doesn't have the numbers in the crossbench uh, because, as I said, I would love to see the you know the upper house turn around and when he puts his uh, budget bills and all that, just turn around and say, no, we're not going to pass it. Change it. Take this out. Stop the spending there. And then, you know, because they can do it. It's an appropriation bill. It's nothing that says it has to go through. You know, it has to go through. They can oppose, you know, present amendments to it like any other bill and then send it back to the lower house for review and just keep doing that. Take the bits that you don't want out of it, take it out and send it back down to the lower house. If they choose to accept it, then, yeah, you know, it becomes law. If they don't, then they'll go and do it again. But this is what needs to happen. I mean, um, it used to happen, there uh, was it when Haradine was there in the Senate in the Howard era, uh, you know, there was always the threat of blocking supply, which is what the Governor-General could use to um, call an election rather than having the election triggered by a double dissolution uh, for that one. So it's a thing. And, I mean, under the Victorian Constitution, there's no scope for the Governor to uh, call an election or anything like that if supply is blocked. Uh, it, yeah, so it's, you know, it's a thing. Do things to to rein in government, not to put a shield around the people, so the government can't do this. Um, so anyway, um, I think that's about it for this one. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, as I said, as always, there will be show notes up on that. Um, and yeah, have a look. If you've got any emails, questions, and all that sort of stuff that you want to ask me, you can either hunt me down on Twitter or Facebook, or just send an email to Cameron at the fifth dot estate. So anyway. As I said, thanks for listening and I look forward to having you join me on the next one. So until then, bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Fifth Estate, the news behind the headlines. Until the next episode of The Fifth Estate releases, we'd love for you to leave a review wherever you go to for quality podcasts. And we'll keep holding those in power in check.